Hi everyone! Thank you for joining us! This is... Are These Books Drawings? <laughs> I'm Brandy. I'm Emma. And I'm Mariana. This is your book clip with a twist, and we are your happy hour girlfriends. Woo-woo. This month, we're reading The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. This yeah. popular fictional novel is a number one a New York Times bestseller and named one of Obama's favorite books of 2020. Yeah. <laughs> I can totally already envision this as an HBO limited series. Congratulations, Britt. Now, yeah. before we jump right in, how about last week? Chicas, hmm? Hmm. Oh, okay, Daniel yeah. K. Isaac was such a delightful <laughs> guest who went above and beyond. His yeah. heart was so open with us, and we are so incredibly grateful. We even got a Korean language pronunciation lesson. <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. <laughs> hey, Emma. Mm-hmm. I got a dilemma. Ah! Oh, oh my. What are we drinking? <laughs> oh, I love that. Thank you, Mariana. Our bartender is really excited for this one because Ricardo finally gets to pick his favorite cocktail. Whoa! Yeah! Nice! Today's cocktail is the Ramos Gin Fizz. Ooh! Ooh. Ricardo chose this drink for a few reasons, one of which being that it's one of the most popular and classic drinks to come out of New Orleans. Although it may not be as popular outside of New Orleans due to the long <laughs> and tiring process of making this drink. More oh. on that from our bartender. Okay. Another reason behind his selection for today's cocktail is that it looks like a tall, frothy, refreshing milkshake. Mm. And since the girls were 16 when the sisters ran away from home, this could have been a beverage that they would have seen and wanted to order. Had they been of age. <laughs> Here to share the recipe for his favorite drink is my favorite bartender, oh. Ricardo. 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 Ciao, ladies. Welcome to the bar. Hi. How are you? Wonderful. Great. Good. How are you? I'm fine. <laughs> Thanks. I'm fine. Freezing, but fine. Oh, I know it. Snowing again. Mm -hmm. But it's very appropriate because it's the same color. The snow is the same color of our cocktail today. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So today we're going to drink one of the classics with the capital C. And it's the Ramos Gin Fizz. Ooh, This nice. was definitely my favorite cocktail when I start bartending, when I start oh, approaching wow. bartending because is so difficult to make and yeah. it's so particular and it's so iconic for the bartending world that I think that everyone that is approaching bartending sooner or later are gonna love this drink or at least gonna try to love this drink but huh. they must hate making it right it's it's a pain <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes so I had actually never even heard of it so yeah either. because it's very not it's absolutely not common anymore it, it was a very iconic drink in New Orleans and oh uh, it's, perfect we're going back into the 19th century when it was born like basically a little bit of history of this cocktail basically every fizz 
is a cocktail where you actually put lemon and oh. a little bit of sugar and you're like you have the, the classic gin fizz classic gin uh-huh. fizz is like sure. sugar powder and lemon and you shake it and it's like this nice sweet and sour taste very well balanced the particular characteristic of the Ramus gin fizz is that you have evergreen in the cocktail and egg white because of these two ingredients are mixed together in a cocktail we need to make sure that they are well combined in the shaker otherwise we're gonna have like a slimy not pleasant feeling in our (laughs) mouth when we're sipping it doesn't sound tasty yes (laughs) so back in the days uh, where it was invented they hired people just to shake this cocktail oh my gosh hilarious you have like it's famous the night of Mardi Gras in 1915 I guess where you had 32 person hired for that day (laughs) to shake the cocktails because it was such a popular drink back (laughs) in the days and the recipe that is not the recipe that I'm gonna suggest to do it today but the original recipe suggests to shake the cocktail for 12 minutes Oh, what? So imagine going in a bar right now in New York. I mean, not now, but like in the old days, pre-pandemic, and ordering a Ramos Gym Fitz. The first time that I did it, the bartender was like, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to shake it 12 minutes, you know, right? Mm. I was like, I'm fine with that. Uh, How long did he shake it? <laughs> it was a pretty energetic shake for four minutes. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, but we have a trick. So let's go down on... The recipe of this cocktail and i'm okay. gonna give you some tips and tricks to make this Please. cocktail and there are like thousands of variants for this cocktail so we're gonna choose one okay right. so for this cocktail we're gonna need two ounces of gin half an ounce of fresh squeezed lemon juice half an ounce of fresh squeezed lime juice three quarter of an ounce of simple syrup a little bit like a drop it's optional and it's because it's very hard to find of orange flower blossom water oh. three drop of vanilla extract the one egg white and three quarter of an ounce of single cream and we need a little bit of soda water that we are gonna use for the topping after our shake mm-hmm. so because it has egg white we need to do a dry shake dry shake means that we're gonna put the egg white into the shaker with no other ingredients and we're gonna shake the egg white, just the egg white. Uh, that's the first step to have a perfect Ramos Gin Fizz, shake it. And when you think that you're done, shake it again. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> shake going. it a lot. You, okay. feel, you can feel when it's actually perfect because you can start hearing the froth inside of the shake. Uh, so one. you actually get an upper body workout a while lot. you're making this yes. drink. Listen, yes. I shook mine for two minutes and it was brutal. I was like, I can't, I can't yeah. go anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so the first part is just the egg. We open our shaker. On one side of the shaker, we are gonna have the froth. On the other side, we're gonna have our empty shaker. Pour the ingredients into the empty part of the shaker. Otherwise, Uh, if you pour liquid on the froth, we're gonna ruin everything, okay? uh, So pour the the liquid ingredient, the gin, the juices, everything in the other part, and the ice. But this is the first tip. Don't use a lot of ice. Use one big ice cube, uh 
for one reason. We're gonna shake our drink until we feel that there's ice in the shaker. So we are gonna start our shaking, hearing the the ice cube going back and forth in the shaker and like uh-huh. clinging on the on the on the metal. We're gonna keep shaking the cocktail until we don't hear any ice inside the shaker. Oh my god! Yes, <laughs> it's a long shake. That's insane. It's a long shake. That's the best way that I found so far to actually have the perfect froth, the perfect consistency, and the perfect dilution in the cocktail. Last but not least, we're gonna top with soda water. There are competition, actually bartending competition, to create the perfect foam, because ideally, the foam, with, like once we top with soda water, the foam should raise and go over the rim of the glass and stay compact on top of the glass. Wow. This drink really wants you to work for it. It's yeah. <laughs> you better have a lot of time on your hands yes. <laughs> to wait for this drink. But uh, I think that it's really worth it. It's well, definitely. I can tell how passionate it's, you are about this drink, so it's, it's definitely your good. favorite. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> It almost has a little bit, the aftertaste has a little bit of like a pineapple. It's Mm. weird, the combination of vanilla extract and citrus in general. Mm -hmm. So it's a love or hate feeling that you will have for this cocktail. (laughs) I honestly like it and I used all the vegan substitutes. So instead of using Uh heavy cream, I I use like a coconut creamer. And instead of the egg white, I use the the foam, the fake fee foam, mm-hmm. uh, and I love it, and it's complex, it's, it reminds you of milkshake, but it yeah. has booze inside, and yeah. it won't dilute because there's there's no ice on the, right. on the glass, so right. The, the, right. the flavor profile, it's not going to change. I mean, I hope you like it. And You've converted me. I love it. <laughs> I, love it. I think it's so good. So. Post-pandemic, I'm going to march into a bar and I'm going to order oh, it with yes, confidence. Please. We need yes, to. please. I would love that. <laughs> so, alla vostra salute, ragazzi. Enjoy your race. Gracias, Ramos. Ricardo. Thank you. Ciao. Bye. All right, chicas. Salute. Yeah. Salute. Oh, not my fave. Oh. <laughs> really? I don't, I don't love the citrus. I don't know if I'm going to have the patience to make another one. I know. That was a tough one. But I love it. Like, I feel like if I had somebody on call to make it for me. <laughs> a shaker man. Yeah, a shaker man. As they were called. Yeah, I might have it a lot. I think it t- it's so good. Yeah, this will get your uh, your biceps and triceps in shape. Oh my gosh, yes. My my arms were stinging <laughs> for like two minutes after I finished. And I only shook for two minutes and my arms were like... <laughs> well, you're balancing it off between the Peloton and then shaking that drink. You're working know, your entire yeah, body. Yeah, yeah ultimate workout. <laughs> Just shake it while you're I'm riding the, the Peloton. back on. <laughs> there you go. Hey, Emma, you're not using your pink tip today. Yeah, what happened? <laughs> yeah, Ricardo, uh, he didn't give me my silicone tip, but um, oh. so I'm drinking it the wrong way, like I used to. <laughs> I was going to say something disgusting. Say I it. Now I want to know. <laughs> I was going to say he got jealous of this. <laughs> oh. oh. 
<laughs> if only he listened and knew what we were talking about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This week, we meet the Veens sisters, twins and great-great-great-granddaughters of the founder of Mallard, Louisiana, a small, exclusive Southern Black community for light-skinned Black people. These girls grew up somewhat protected because of their lighter skin, but having witnessed the lynching of their father as young girls, watching their mother work cleaning the clothes of white people, and ultimately having to drop out of school themselves to work in the home of a white family, they are no strangers to racism. Wanting more for themselves, they run away from home at the age of 16 and forge a new life for themselves in New Orleans. That is, until Stella disappears one day, leaving only a note behind that she needed to go her own way. That broke my heart. I know. Desiree eventually marries a dark-skinned black man and has a child, but after years of enduring abuse at his hands, she flees and returns back to the home and the mother she left behind all those years ago. When an old flame from her youth, Early, reveals himself to be a bounty hunter sent by her husband to find her, the two team up to find Stella, who is rumored to be passing as a white woman. As our chapters end, it seems she may have left New Orleans for Boston, Massachusetts. Whoa! I am loving this book. Same here. And I love your synopsis here. I oh. know. You're oh, so good you. at this. Yeah. You got well, thanks. it. Yeah. Thank Nailed you. Nailed it. Yeah, this is a book that for the first time in a while, I feel like I'm putting my hand on the opposite page so that I don't, uh-huh. <laughs> because I'm so excited I want to read ahead, but I don't want to glance and see something I'm not supposed to know yet. Yeah. Totally. totally. That's such an exciting feeling. I agree. I also love that it's jumping sort of perspectives so mm-hmm. much it's not sticking with one character we're getting such an expansive view of this town and the people in it i just i just love that and then it goes back in time it goes back and forth like you move forward into the present and then you go back into how it happened it's just it keeps you really on your toes yeah mm-hmm. and it feels like one of those books where we're getting lots of disparate details mm-hmm. that are maybe eventually going to come together in the same way that we met early mm-hmm. at the beginning, you know, when she's a teenager and then right. he comes back all these years later, it feels like all these elements are going to come together to tell this story. At one point, I even thought that he had met Stella instead of Desiree. And I was like, what is, is Stella pretending for the first time ever? And that was her secret that she was That's kind of being her, her twin sister. Like she never played to be her twin sister, but then she decided to do that. And that was like actually her first love. But I was completely wrong because I even wrote it down. I was like, could this be Stella? But yeah. But there is mention, right? I think the mom says that they kind of used to switch places or they used to pretend to be the other one. Right. And she thought that they might have mixed each. They they might have gotten mixed up at some point at some and switched point. personalities. <laughs> yep. Without meaning to. Yep. I think Desiree more so liked to pretend like she was Stella. Like, I love that, um, mm. that like acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Passion for for pretending. Yeah, there's a great quote that I I don't know where it is right now about lying and acting. Yeah, which I'm sure is going to come into play once we figure out where Stella is, right? And what what she's been doing is it lying? Is it acting for Has thirteen she years? Somebody else? Yeah, yeah, that's a long time to pretend. Yeah, what a concept! Like just as like an overall idea for a book. Yeah, I just think it's so fascinating, and I know. As usual, I'm jumping towards the end when we find out that Stella has been 
posing as a white woman. But mm. did either of you mm-hmm. watch Lovecraft Country? No. I watched a few episodes. So farther in the series, there's a character, I don't remember her name, but she's she's the beautiful black woman who's a singer. Mm. Mm-hmm. Maybe this, I don't think this I encountered sister of, her yet. Okay. So there's there's this whole storyline in the series where there's like this vial that she's given from one of the white blonde characters, you know, that are like the the spell magician mm. evil people. And they give her this vial and when she, when you drink it, you can turn into whoever you want to be. You kind of embody that person for a oh, period wow. of time until mm. the time of the vial wears off and then like it literally peels off your skin. And there's this very powerful scene where the black woman drinks the vial to turn into a white woman so that she can go into a department store and get this job at the department store that she's always wanted. Oh. And she feels this power as I'm sorry, this is such oh. a spoiler alert now for those that haven't seen it. It's a really powerful, awesome, weird show. It sounds but it. um and so I couldn't help but think of that in reading this. Mm. She finds such power in that, in, mm. in what she's able to do when she's embodying a white woman that she mm. can't do in her own skin that is just devastating. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's devastating how it's in there. It's clearly yeah. in her. Mm-hmm. She just needs to call. She needs to call up. I, I'm hesitant to say the confidence because it's not really no. that. It's, it's the confidence that she won't get murdered probably yeah. for behaving that way right. because of her skin color. Right. I read a brief little snippet in an article where Britt Bennett talks about how she came up with this story hmm. and how it came out of her. Did you read the same article, Emma? Was it in the vulture? I don't know. Maybe I started to read, but then I was afraid I would see spoilers. I so I just <laughs> okay. Well, this is so not if a you spoiler. know things that we're not supposed to know yet, Brandy, you better no. not. I would never. <laughs> I would never. I would never. Um, she talks about how this story came out of her mother telling her that there used to be towns where people would marry and have children with the specific intent mm. of bearing lighter skinned children, which was sort of her jumping off point for the town of Mallard. And I found that so heartbreaking that people so afraid for the lives and prosperity of their future right. generations would resort to that. And it also made me feel the self-hatred that must begin to come with being who you are when the world tells you that who and what you are is ugly. Right. Mm -hmm. Like early, he's basically told his whole life that he's not good enough. Mm -hmm. And that this especially broke my heart for little Jude, who we haven't really heard from at all. But I suspect she's really suffering at that school Mm -hmm. because she seems ostracized before she even comes in the The door. The way that they gawk at her, they just watch her coming to school, the way she's dressed and just... Yeah. Well, and her own grandma. I can't imagine she doesn't feel that venom coming from her own grandmother over who her dad is and the color of his skin. Mm -hmm. I also got some vibes of True Detective in this season three interesting because there's just it seems like there's going to be so many secrets revealed and the way it plays out it's not that it's slow moving it's just that there's so many details and everything that Uh happens that i no wonder this is hopefully going to become a a limited series for hbo because i could totally see it on that network it just makes Mm -hmm. perfect sense and it's funny because every every little thing that gets revealed it's never i never feel 
bored. I no. never feel like, oh, but let me go get back to that other thing. Every time she jumps to a new sort of part of the town or some new character or something, I'm like, oh, yeah, tell me who this is. Like it. I I almost feel the same way that I felt when I uh, went to sleep no more. Do you guys go to sleep Oh, no yeah. <laughs> you know, you discover those new rooms or a yeah. new character that you mm-hmm. follow. And everything is just like, oh, yeah, show me. Show me this. Yeah. Let me follow this for a second. Well, uh, speaking of new characters, and I was totally engrossed with early Jones's life as a bounty hunter. Yeah. No, like that for no. me was just like really, it was really cool to read. Yeah. And his idea of never attaching oneself to anything or anyone is really, in a way, enticing <laughs> and mm-hmm. seems freeing. Um, yeah. The key to staying lost was to never love anything. Love oh. had never dragged early anywhere. As soon as he left a place, he forgot it. Now, I've had fleeing thoughts of how it would feel to not give a fuck yeah. <laughs> about anyone or anything. Mm-hmm. But then I think, could I ever really be this detached? Wouldn't it make life easier overall? As Britt Bennett puts it, a long memory could drive a man crazy. Have you guys ever contemplated this? Or am I kind <laughs> of the Lone Ranger <laughs> in this way of thinking? Nope. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. I think about this all the time. All the fucking time. Okay. It actually reminds me, no, no, no. It actually reminds me of that question I asked the two of you in one of our episodes on the seven husbands of Sevelyn. Sevelyn. The seven husbands. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the sequel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) One of the episodes on the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. When I asked, do you think it's better to have loved and lost than to have never loved and not have to experience that immense loss? Remember that? I was weeping. Okay. So... And I was still very on the fence about how I felt about that because when I lose someone close to me, it does a number on me. Mm. So in your words, if I never gave a fuck about people or things, I would never have to hurt. Mm -hmm. And who ever wants that? So I've been working on this and I'm Mm. coming to a healthier point of view about this matter. But I'll tell you what I'm working on that's doing wonders for me is letting go of caring about things so much. Not losing so much value in stuff. (laughs) All right. So I watched a documentary on Netflix Mm. called The Minimalists, Less is Now. Oh, yeah. About being able to live with less stuff by understanding that we don't place our memories in things, Mm. which is actually a really hard concept for me because I feel like I, when I look at something, it absolutely triggers a memory, which is why I hold on to things for so long. Yes. Mm -hmm. But you know, their point of view is that the memories are there regardless of the object to attach it to. So then they challenge the viewer to go on their own journey of minimizing by gradually getting rid of stuff over the course of 30 days. So on day one, you get rid of one thing. On day two, you get rid of two things. Day three, three things, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, my God. Wow. I don't think I have 30 things I could get rid of. (laughs) Well, because you're a very good minimalist. Yeah. I have a bunch of shit in my house, and I'm on day 12, and I'm loving the energetic oh, wow. space that it's providing. Oh, wow. Every time I find things to get rid of, I feel like a little bit lighter. Oh, wow. 
By the end of the 30 days, I will have gotten rid of 465 <gasps> things. Oh, oh my gosh. Isn't that crazy? So, Emma, Shit. at what point in this process did you find that you went from a place of like, no, I need my stuff mm. to being like, actually, I'm noticing all of this energetic space. Mm. This is a good thing. Yeah. Like, was there a shift? That's a good question. Well, I did Marie Kondo at the beginning um, of the pandemic. And so that was a good starting point, I think. Mm. But I'm noticing how much stuff I still held on to even after having done that. So I already had the seed planted. I think okay. this is just a little more manageable for me because I'm able to go into, you know, small pockets. So, like, if I know I need 12 mm-hmm. things, I'm like, let me look in my underwear drawer and see if I can find 12 pairs of underwear to get rid of, which I did. Mm-hmm. Um, you have 12 pairs of underwear? I have so much underwear. <laughs> Oh my god! But I could see now that. I have I do twelve too. pairs less. <laughs> Good for you. And so it does kind of feel. I, yeah, I I don't know what it is. I think you know what I'm on day twelve and I'm liking it. Ask me this question again on day like twenty five. Like it might be a right. completely different experience then. Yeah. But it might I be do a little f- more painful. <laughs> Four hundred and sixty five. Yeah. yeah, man. Like Oof. isn't that crazy? Oof. And yeah. what's what's crazy is that I have that many things to get rid of. Right. Like right. I'm sure of it. Right. And that's But I'm scary. sure at a certain point you're going to be getting rid of things that are maybe the level of preciousness about things is going to start to increase at a certain point. You know what I mean? Right, when you're exactly. gathering thirty things that you need to get rid of and you've already gotten rid of four hundred things. Right. Some of those things are gonna it's going to hurt. Right. That's why I said ask me again at day 25 because now I'm throwing out, you know, nail polishes that I never use. Right. And Chapstick. Little knickknacks like that. I haven't gotten to Chapstick. that yet. <laughs> oh, my God. That's that's some day 30 stuff. I haven't gotten stuff. there. <laughs> That'll take some soul searching. That's a day 30 negotiation. Yeah. But so I love your question, Mariana, because I do think um, I'm trying I'm trying to create that sense of, of detaching a little bit. But mm, that's it is impressive. That's really a long, impressive. Yeah. a long journey. Well, Mariana, I yeah. want to answer your question, sure. but I actually have a spinoff question that I want to ask about it. Ooh. So I want you to answer your question first, because then in answering your question, I have a question. Great, because I kind of wanted to intervene because speaking oh, about <laughs> about things, <laughs> since as you ladies know, but our listeners don't know, Andrew and I are in the midst of searching for our new apartment. Right. Yeah. And... It's crazy how much you really do attach yourself yeah. to And you guys things. haven't been there that long. No. Yeah. I mean, we've been here for two years. And yeah, we're ready to go. And we're ready to have a fresh start somewhere else. But even though I've only seen like one physically and I've and I've seen many, many, many online, it's like you start thinking about like, well, what memory is going to be created here? But wait, but this was this mm-hmm. happened in this Aww. apartment. And then if we don't have that in this apartment, like, will we lose that? Mm-hmm. But Why? We're still yeah. the same people. We're still going to yeah. have memories. We're still going to create yeah. new ones. Why? Why the attachment of this stuff? And then it creates an emotional turmoil. Then it's right. like it's so con- counterintuitive or counterproductive. <laughs> it Both, just doesn't make maybe. sense. <laughs> because then it's just like you you're you then can't forget and you can't let go. And that's the whole thing that I'm working on internally about just like being able to be free and letting go which would help me as an actor and help me overall as a human being so it's I think more so than than people because I 
as we are, we've discussed this many times that we're full of contradictions. I I love way too much, and I and I'm very attached to beings, human beings. But I could I could definitely learn from letting go of things, and then、mm. I would be able to move forward a lot faster and not be so、yeah. obsessive over everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel you. <laughs> Yeah, which is something I found so remarkable about when these two decide that they're just gonna up and leave. And leave. Like I can't imagine they took more than like a bag with them, and I can't、right. even imagine deciding that I'm gonna leave my home forever. Yeah, and trying to decide what's gonna go in this one precious bag that I'm gonna take with me and never come back. That's crazy to me. Ricardo、um, moved across the country, across the country, across, across the ocean with two suitcases.、Yeah. Wow, two. Wow! Never could have done that, but it makes me think of Jude and Desiree when they moved. You know, the mom, the grandma asks her to play with her toys, and she's like, "I didn't bring、and、anything with me." Any. I know, I know. That's a different. You、story. would think one thing she could have brought one thing, <sighs> but they were just traveling light. Well, I really felt the yearning for and freedom of escape. Both of the escapes so far in this story:、mm-hmm. the girls needing to escape their mother and the life she's predetermined for them, and then Stella's need to escape the only life available to her as a black woman at this time, whether she's light skinned or not. So, suspend some disbelief here, because I know we're all happy and we couldn't imagine lives without <laughs> our significant others.、Right. But I agree with you, Mariana. Every once in a while, I think about like. Damn! Like, what if I just left everything? What、mm-hmm. if I just up and like moved somewhere new and started a new life?、Mm. It doesn't feel like something I could do,、mm-hmm. but it definitely feels like an escapist fantasy、mm-hmm. that I can、mm. live into, which is part of why I think I'm enjoying this book. So, I want to know if you were going to indulge in Mariana's runaway scenario.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go to somewhere that no one knows you. No one could find you to start a new life and become a new person. I want to know where would you go, what would you do for a living, and who would you become that's so different from who you are now? Like, what would that escape give you that you can't accomplish or achieve in the current life that you have?、Mm. I think I'd want to live seaside somewhere. Oh, whether that's in some small town in Maine or in、mm. California,、mm. I'd、oh. want to live by the water. Big Little Lies style. Ah, <laughs> <laughs>、uh, beautiful. In location wise, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else, absolutely no. not. Because、no. <laughs> I'd want to live by the water in like a cabin or a small、oh. home. In a remote enough location that there weren't many people around, and where it's quiet and peaceful, I would、yeah. become a crunchy granola nature chick. Oh, I、mm-hmm. see that for you.、Completely. Do you? I do.、Oh, Are、ah! you crazy? That makes me so happy. <laughs> I would go on hikes. I would do yoga by the water. I would make my own kombucha, journal <laughs> in my hammock. You know. That life, yeah, and I think I would be okay being in total solitude for most of the time, just getting social contact from when I went to the small market in town to buy my fresh produce, <laughs> or going to another's cabin for a nice meal by the fireplace. Apparently, in this life, I wouldn't need to work. <laughs> <laughs> I would just simply be connecting back to nature and myself. But I didn't answer your last part of the question, which is why 
like how that's so different for me now. I think I um I just have felt such an urge to be in nature so much mm-hmm. and that just feels yeah, so hard that. for me mm-hmm. now, you know, in in yeah. this time and I think often about wanting to just put my career on pause and just go take a road trip or like go live in an RV and just just say fuck it to all of that Mm -hmm. and just be explore and travel yeah Um, and so that's the part that really excites me the most about this new fantasy that I just created from your question (laughs) so I love it because now I'm like "Hmm, maybe I can make this happen is it a fantasy is it a plan right yeah (laughs) this might have taken a turn yeah just bring Ricardo along you're all good you're all set No, this is if I'm running away and I'm by myself. But I could totally see Ricardo. (laughs) See you guys exactly. Like I could see that he's totally on board with this. No, he would love that. He hates living in the city. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I love that. Now I'm like. uh, Now I. Now I just am picturing myself living by the water. What's funny about it, Emma, is like I don't think it's that different from who you are. I know. I agree like, with you on that. That's a life that I could see you saying tomorrow, like, we're going to go do this. And I'd be like, yep. yeah, that's that makes sense. Yep. Like, I love that you see that. I just, I could never just put my career on hold like yeah. that. That's the hardest yeah. part. If it weren't yeah. for that, I really think I could do this. This is such a tough one. Because now I'm thinking of what I thought I was going to say. And then now I'm like, <laughs> I don't- well, what were you going to say? Yeah, what were well, you going to say? <laughs> well, because, but immediately when you posed this question, I was like, well, I'm going to move to Greece and be like a food critic or something. Yeah. <laughs> or just a foodie. <laughs> just, yeah. Like, live in Mykonos and have those beautiful views and just yeah. like, eat, like oh, eat my face off and just enjoy the weather. Yeah. I mean, that sounds great. That sounds it great. Sound but great. then I also thought about like Spain or becoming a diplomat and kind of like figuring out foreign affairs and just like oh. being. Oh, wow. But there's all this, like when I started thinking about this more and more, I was basically saying like, I want to still be on the go and still be... Mm on the edge and constantly like on the go doing and doing and figuring things out and not giving myself a break or not necessarily paying attention to me but my career is all Mm. about me so what I'm trying to do here especially if I was a diplomat it would be really to help others out so I guess the way I'm going to answer this is to your final question if I could escape everything it would be really to just take time to really be Mm-hmm. and take everything that life does give you moment to moment like actually breathing yeah. in the air and letting that sit for a while because that's something completely different from what where I'm at now I think and that's and still something that I'm still trying to let go of at my at this stage in my life at this very moment because mm-hmm. it's very hard to just be and let that and let that yeah. settle. Yeah. I feel like that was a huge part of what you loved when you were home in Florida. You know, like taking time to to yeah. rest and go to the ocean or the lake yeah. or, or just sit out on the terrace in the sunshine. You know, I feel like right. I know that you have that in you. Just this morning, I was I, I actually had a conversation with my therapist and she's like, why is it so hard for you to just relax? Mm. And I'm it's like, hard. No, I don't know. And it's not relaxes in like I'm a tensed person. It's just 
I I want to make sure that I'm doing everything within the time that I have allotted to be able to do it. Right. Right. And to let go of that notion that things have to be achieved at a certain period of time is 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 very hard because it's just yeah. innate in me. It's part of my personality. Yeah. But I have been able to do that because of the time that you just mentioned. Spending time with my family, it was the first time that I did without questioning myself. I was like, it's time. If now, now, if not now, when? Just I wish I could. Continue and it was that. time that you specifically sort of allotted yourself, yeah, for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like gave that was also like scheduled. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think it all flows down to that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. You're not alone it is in that. Hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, how about you, B? Yeah. I think in my wildest fantasy, because I'm very similar to you, Mariana, where like if I'm not doing something, I'm going insane in my mind. But I also feel that like if I were to escape somewhere, it would be to seek some kind of peace and like tranquility and a slowing down and a just enjoying life for what it is. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if I were going to escape anywhere, I would go to one of those little towns in Italy where they're selling houses for like a dollar. <laughs> is that a thing? And is that happening? Yes. Are you kidding? Well, why are we oh, here now? Very, <laughs> I know. It's very, I don't know that they're like super desirable towns. Sure. Like I think they're towns where the economy is slowing and things like like mm -hmm. that but yeah they're literally selling houses for a dollar wow. just to get people to move there so what are we doing so if, let's go <laughs> right i wondered that about you and ricardo I if that might be a thing you'd be into but i think a lot of these houses are they're a little bit dilapidated so they need some love they need some you know some diying and stuff like that but i feel like i would just go there i feel like i would fix it up learn as i go I, I would basically live the under the Tuscan sun. I was just going to say that. <laughs> I was just going to say that. And when I was thinking about your question, I was like, I w that was the character that came to mind. I was like, yeah. I want to live that yeah. life. But that's so perfect for you. Like I'd yeah. like learn how to paint, you mm -hmm. know, I, and I, I feel like I could maybe I could maybe do that for like a year or something before I'd be like, OK, and I'm, I'm done. <laughs> live there. Yeah, like I'd get it. my fix of it and then I'd be out. Yeah. I can see that for you for sure. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe have a vineyard on the side too and make some wine. Oh, yeah. You know, make my own wine. Ooh. Why not? Day drink. Would you like hey, go on next. a Vespa with a hot Italian? Yeah, oh, of course yeah. I would. <laughs> who wouldn't who wouldn't do that? <laughs> Good point. No, I'm sorry. I'm a feminist. I'd be on a Vespa and a hot Italian could ride with yeah. me. If you yes. <laughs> <laughs> did you ladies i'm curious did you know that early was going to tell desiree's husband that he couldn't find her or did you think there was a chance that he was going to turn her in i wrote in my notes when right before the reveal happened i was like he's going to protect her yeah like i immediately was like he there's something there that he's not gonna mm -hmm. interesting yeah a part of me wondered how long he was going to keep watching her before. I thought I thought he would stick around the town for a lot longer. Oh, before deciding what he was going to do. I thought maybe he was more conflicted than he ended up being. It seems like those old feelings just came rushing right back. Yeah. And yeah. what a sweet depiction of their courtship. Oh right. God, are you kidding me? I loved that. Fruit. Okay. 
Can we talk <laughs> about this? Because <laughs> those moments with the fruit, I was like, <laughs> Ooh, I, all right. I enjoyed the gotcha. Those, yeah, like them biting into it together <laughs> and then like the juices rolling down her fingers and him Sucking like licking the juices yeah. off of her. I was like, oh my, this <laughs> is, I know they're underage, but I was like, this is hot. <laughs> oh yeah. So I actually, in that moment, I was like, I want to ask the girls, like, what's the sexiest fruit? <laughs> is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> you just made it a thing. Oh, what's the you hottest fruit you thing. could eat? <laughs> With someone. <laughs> like, I think call me by your name would make me oh, want to no. say like a pea. Oh, nope. yeah. <laughs> or an apricot. I'm still always on the fence. Like, was it a peach or was it an apricot? Who cares? <laughs> yeah, but that. But mm-hmm. I think star fruits are sexy. Oh. Star fruits are sexy. Yeah. They're underrepresented. Yeah. Well, you took mine. I thought of the peach, just like a really oh, juicy sorry. peach. But then, Ooh. I mean, you can really turn on a guy eating a banana. Banana. <laughs> 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 Seriously, like, think about it. I would like a video tutorial. <laughs> Can you imagine if Early had shown up at Desiree's house with a banana? Saying, like, like, I brought you this. Slowly peeling it. (laughs) What's your sexy fruit brand? Well, I was going to say, I think cherries are really hot. Mm, Like, I think cherries. But then, like, you have that pit to deal with that is maybe not as sexy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you're trying to act all hot eating a cherry, and you have to, like, spit it out or something. But I think, like, when they were eating a plum, I was like, oh, yeah, I feel that. I feel yeah. that they're so juicy. Yeah. And I don't know. Something about that purple color. I was like, ooh, I, I'm feeling it. <laughs> That's your juices flowing. <laughs> oh, God. <Literally> <laughs> oh, my God. What a question. I love it. Love it. Oh, my God. By the way... Did either of you, this is me totally making something up in my head, but did either of you catch that his name is Early, her name is Desiree, they met at a young age, and together their names are Early Desiree or like Early Desire? Oh, Oh. I did not. And his name is Early Jones. Jones. Like he's like Jones in for her. Oh my God. Oh, wow. Ooh. And Stella is like stellar. So mm. she's like, mm. right. she's, she's out. She's on Look her own. Look at that. That's Interesting cool. things going on with names there. I want to talk about this fingerprinting job that Desiree has because I think oh, what a yeah. cool gig. It and is, something, yeah. Something I, that's like not a job that I think of very often that like people have that job. A, because I think it's really cool. And B, because it broke my heart when she came back to get, oh, I didn't I take just, any notes oh, about this. I'm God. just remembering. This on, for the record, like this is the least amount of notes I've ever taken in a book because Same. I just kept reading, reading. Same. <laughs> I like, cannot talk today. That I didn't write anything. So from my memory, when she went back and she wanted, she was interviewing for that job. Mm-hmm. Um. And then didn't get it because right, mm-hmm. ugh, because they see her address and they realize where she's where from. Where she's from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So on that note, 
I love the segment where Desiree is describing knowing the details of Stella's fingerprints, mm-hmm. like how she had a scar yes. on her left yeah. index finger from where she cut herself with a knife. Yes. Actually, overall, I just love, I love all the details that we get of how well you can tell Desiree, they know each other, mm-hmm. like their relationship. Mm-hmm. I think that's something we should talk about later because that is, yeah. I think, maybe the most important one of the most important themes in the book. But anyway, so she says, sometimes who you were came down to the small things. And I just love that. Yeah. So I'd love to know what small things make up the two of you. Could be physically, such as a scar on your finger, or more abstract or idiosyncrasies that you have. What comes to mind? What comes to mind for me are, I guess, physical attributes that I have. Um, mm. or reminders of things that had happened. Like the first thing that came to mind was, are my scars from my mm. knee injuries. Because oh. for me, that that is a constant reminder of my resilience, my strength, and my determination. Mm. Mm. So I see it as like a war wound more than anything else. Oh. Um, I also thought about, and Andrew comments on them a lot, my small earlobes, because I have really tiny earlobes. They're almost like kind of attached <laughs> to to like my face pretty much. Like I don't have like, you know, that you can usually like grab your earlobes and they, yeah, they yeah, have yeah. like, but they're tiny. <laughs> so I'm so going back to our Betty. And there was a oh. quote that I loved when she said that, you know, small things are mighty. Like there was yeah. a, like a reference to that. Yeah. So... I feel like that's me. Like I, I'm mm. small, but I'm mighty, and I hear everything. Like, mm, don't put do. one past me. <laughs> you hear everything, and you remember everything. Yeah. Your memory is astounding. Yeah. That's well, a thanks. Betty thing too. Little pictures. Little oh, pictures. Right. That's what it is. Yes, little yeah. pictures have big ears. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's what it is. Or um, little pictures have little ears. In your case, <laughs> <laughs> metaphorically big ears, right. <laughs> <laughs> but they're small in size. Um, <laughs> I have my nose is very similar to my mom's that it's a little like a peach. It's actually a little fuzzy, but you wouldn't Aww. even be able to notice that if unless you look really close. But when you touch my nose, it like it feels like very soothing and sweet in a way. Aww. So I think that's also part of my personality. And my eyelashes. <laughs> <laughs> Because I do like to accentuate my looks every now and again, and it shows that I'm put together, playful, and I have a sexy side to me. Yeah. Oh, I like how you did that. I like that. (laughs) Mine are also physical, weirdly. Um, For me, it's my my green eyes and my tan skin. Because when I was a kid, I used to be a lot darker than I am now, because in West Texas, it's super sunny, and I tan in minutes no oh yeah just walking around new york city i'll have a tan on my like depending on what i'm wearing i'll have a tan line in minutes so when i was a kid living in west texas i was actually pretty dark and people could take one look at me based on my green eyes and my dark skin and they'd say that's a bravo and they would say pura bravo pure bravo they knew that's joe bravo's daughter and as a young kid my what? dad, I just even now, my dad is such a hardworking, honest, like salt of the earth kind of a guy, like takes care of his family no matter what. Yeah. Um, 
And so to be to be associated with him just based on looks, just based on people taking one look at me and being mm. able to see that's Joe Bravo's daughter. I just remember Aww. feeling such pride in that. Oh, that's beautiful. And feeling that like that must also mean that I was hardworking, too, that like mm. I have. It's not just the physical stuff, like the stuff inside must be like him, too. Right. And oh, that's just I always that's that. just always stuck with me. I'm Joe Bravo's daughter. Oh, you should get that tattooed. <laughs> you should on my ass or something joe bravo's daughter <laughs> no that's such a nice i love that that's so sweet uh, it really is <laughs> well that's so joe funny because none of mine are physical attributes oh good oh okay. good <laughs> mine are weird this these are the small things oh. that i think make up emma or love the fact that I never fully fully finish any drink, so I leave glasses around with two sips of liquid left. Yep. <laughs> you do that too? Yes. yes. It drives Ricardo crazy. Same for Andrew. That I make this <laughs> terrible loud dinosaur noise to scratch the back of my throat when it's itchy. I think Can you we do it again? It. Also it drives him crazy. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, how embarrassing. <laughs> That when I eat Ben and Jerry's Cherry Garcia, I eat all the ice cream first and separate the cherries and the chocolate, and then I eat all the chocolate, and then I eat all the cherries. Wow. That I can cry at a sappy commercial or videos with animals, that I hate the sound of eating in general, especially crunchy foods, like send me over the edge. I'm obsessed with cilantro, that I love an inspirational (laughs) quote. That I put too much expectations on every holiday, that I love Aww. getting my nails painted in fun designs, mm. and that I always have snacks on me. To me, like <laughs> that, that is like that's what makes up my person. That's <laughs> hilarious. I really love that. That's so funny. That Wait, none of I have a question about this Cherry Garcia thing though. If you're not finishing the whole pint. Okay, well, obviously I would oh, finish the whole out. pint. Or if you yeah, if you like scoop <laughs> it into a bowl. Oh, I see. Okay. Because yeah. like, what happens if you're eating it in two sittings? Are you just getting no cherries and chocolate on the first sitting? If you have to save them until no, the end? No, there's no That's two not happening. sittings with Cherry okay. Garcia. Got it. Got it. Well, going back to that, Emma, what you were talking about with the twins' connections, I found that really interesting because they clearly are so close and... I mean, I don't know that much about twins, but obviously you always mm-hmm. hear that twins are especially close and share a connection that other people like don't no necessarily other. share. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did find it really curious that it does seem like on more than one occasion, it's hinted at that Stella does keep secrets. Mm-hmm. Desiree shares her secrets mm-hmm. and she knows that Stella keeps them. She's mm-hmm. like a steel trap for that stuff. Right. But I don't know that from a young age she's realizing that Stella, too, must have secrets that she does not share. And obviously we learn that when she leaves on a whim, but clearly has probably been planning that for a long time. Mm -hmm. So I found that just like a heartbreaking. Yeah, a heartbreaking moment. And it did make me wonder how it I mean, it just made me wonder how that's possible to leave it's n- it doesn't feel like leaving a normal person. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like leaving your mom to run away. This mm-hmm. is literally your other half. Mm-hmm. You have been raised together. You're mm-hmm. twins. You were born together. The person who the- sucked blood off your finger when your finger right. was bleeding. Right. 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 And she just l- leaves seemingly without kind of a care in the world. I mean, and maybe we'll find out that that's not the case. Maybe yeah. we'll find out that it was a much harder decision for her. But to just leave a note and ditch 
seems a little bit, I don't want to say calloused because that seems harsh, yeah. but. Yeah, a little heartless. Yeah. <laughs> it does seem heartless, especially when it seems like they're sharing this apartment that they've worked so hard to get. You know, it doesn't seem like Desiree would be able to afford that place on her own, probably. I was actually wondering if Stella is not the one that wrote the note to Desiree that says, sorry, honey, but I've got to go my own way. I mean, I'm sure I know she would recognize her handwriting, but I wonder if there's another party behind this. Hmm. I mean, based on what we're saying, based on, I think, what we learned, though, towards the end of this chapter where we learn about her new identity, maybe that's not the case. Hmm. But when I read that, my gut reaction was, I just have a hard time imagining that that's how she would break it to her. Sorry, honey, but I've got to go my own way. It just doesn't feel, based on at least what I imagine their relationship to be like, I don't feel like that's the verbiage that she would use with her. Could be totally wrong. But I am curious if there's like maybe a guy in the picture that wanted Stella to run away with him and was like, you need to leave her and, Mm -hmm. and... you know, Although it sounds like this whole idea of passing, it sounds actually really dangerous. It sounds like if you were to be discovered to be quote unquote passing, you'd be murdered. Yeah, yeah, you'd be in some pretty serious trouble. So I wondered off of what you were saying, Emma, I wondered, could the person she is leaving for, I mean, do they know her true identity? I feel like they don't. Right. I don't feel like she could trust someone else with that. No information. It seems like when she leaves, she's leaving as a white woman. She's leaving her whole identity behind, which is also a really curious parallel with Desiree being a fingerprint analyst, which is about identity. Mm -hmm. It's about not being able to change who you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is science. Right. I, I, I do think that. Stella did think about this for a very long time. Who knows if there mm. was a third party involved, but it seems to me that she seems like the type of person that didn't do this without planning and didn't yes. feel yeah. that she would be hurting her sister mm-hmm. and that she would be losing out on someone who's been kind of because D- Desiree is older. Yes. By what seconds or minutes? Seven, I think it was seven minutes, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something like that. And uh, I think there's a part of me that she's losing the one who was really protective of her. And maybe Mm. she knew that passing on, Desiree wouldn't agree with that. Mm. But Stella has already contemplated so much about there's a a point in time when she's looking. I think she's looking in her reflection. I may be completely wrong about this, but she can't even take in her reflection because she knows how agonizing it's been for her of how others see her mm. because of the color of her skin. Yeah. yeah. So I'm wondering if that is really what has propelled her to then just basically do away yeah. with her past and also like early Jones, detach herself a hundred percent. And if she yeah, tried to have that conversation, maybe she couldn't have at all. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also interesting that Desiree then goes on to marry a very dark-skinned yes. man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I wonder if on some level Stella knew that Desiree wouldn't be up for right. trying to pass. Yeah. I I wonder if she knew that Desiree would see that as some kind of a betrayal that she couldn't do. Mm-hmm. And so by not telling her, she's actually kind of protecting, protecting her. her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what you just said about the fingerprints made me just wonder, 
I hope something terrible doesn't happen with Stella that makes her have to get fingerprinted. Oof. And like Desiree's the one that maybe check sees the fingerprints that or or that someone all. else sees that and then knows who she is and that's how she's caught. That'd be terrible if if like Desiree's the one that ends oh up that discovers outing her. her. Oh. Yeah. Oof. That would be terrible. That would be a twist. I found the racism, even within the black community in this book, really interesting. Identity seems to be predestined for people in this story, largely based on their skin color Mm -hmm. and not even just black or white, but also just how even if, you know, when you're black, how light is Mm -hmm. your skin? That seems to be a status level. What's available to them in terms of work, which parts of town they hang out in, who their children will and won't marry. Mm -hmm. And Desiree's daughter, like we said earlier, seems to be judged for being darker, even though her mom is lighter. Mm-hmm. And, as, as, you know, it's said in the book, once you're mixed with common blood, you're common forever. Mm-hmm. So even associating with the quote unquote wrong group, even associating with someone of a darker skin tone than you, even if you're black, too, seems to lead you, quote unquote, down the wrong path, which I found really interesting i mean in the in the you know in the mexican community that's definitely a thing the darker skinned you are sort of the i don't want to say the more looked down on you are but it's definitely preferable to be lighter i had just never heard that before in reference to the black community same same brandy the colombians are very similar in that regard like my dad's from bogota and my mom's from medellin and the majority of the bogotanos are much darker skin and medellin much Mm. fairer so Mm -hmm. it's and it's usually like they they don't really want to be attached to one another it's kind of seen as like wait a second you're dating a bogotano like right is that so but i had never also as you brandy i had never really known that as part of this type of community and so it it was it was interesting to read That was something I really learned in my deep dive into educating myself in the the height of the Black Lives Matter movement this summer Mm. when I was reading everything I could and watching everything I could. I think I mentioned to you before I was watching this YouTube series called The Uncomfortable Conversations with the Black Man. And one of the interviews he has is with a family. It's a couple and they have, I think, three adopted children. And two of the kids are much darker skinned than one of the other ones. And so the the third son, who is much lighter skinned than his other two siblings, it's just it broke my heart when mm. the interviewer was asking him if he feels more safe than his brother and sister because oh his skin God. is lighter, and he said yes. Well, I did want to add there was a quote that really hit me that lightness. Like anything inherited at a great cost was a lonely gift. Mm. Oh, it's interesting that even their lightness doesn't seem to completely exempt them no. or doesn't seem to keep them completely safe. Mm-mm. They both watch their dad get lynched. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. From their own, you know, in their own home, men enter and kill their father or at least mm-hmm. injure him. Mm-hmm badly enough to be hospitalized and then he's then murdered and the the lie that they said about him that he was the one that wrote that note and he couldn't even write right and everybody knew that right that he would x everything 
Yeah, and I can't even imagine what that must do for you as a child to oh hear a parent explain to you that your father was murdered because he was good at his job. Right. And because something was said about him that wasn't true, wasn't I can true. only imagine that as a child, you're like, but that doesn't make any no. sense. No. And it made me wonder how these, tw- it made me wonder how that must have affected this decision that the twins make to leave their home. And then the, deci- the decision that Stella then makes mm-hmm. to drop her identity altogether mm-hmm. and go it alone as a white woman. Well, you know, the moment that that's coming to mind now that I thought was really devastating and, and fascinating is when Martin Luther King dies, when, when he's shot. Uh-huh. I don't remember now which one it is. I I think maybe it was Desiree because I think she was. Yeah, because Desiree was with Sam at that point. OK, mm-hmm. so it doesn't really make sense in the timeline then. But when they find they see on TV that Martin Luther King was shot and then she goes outside and there's. Uh, you know, a community of black men that are like, get out of, you know, get out of here, white bitch. Mm, because right. she is viewed as a, as the the enemy. Right. You know, right, right. she's the color of the skin of the people that just assassinated this mm-hmm. reverend mm-hmm. man. So right. that. And I, it takes her husband coming up and being like, whoa, this is no, my, this is my, this woman. Is my woman. And yeah. what must that do to your psyche mm-hmm. that they, you know, you're viewed as the enemy because of you look, but she's, because no of matter the, which skin, side she's on, looking oh, at you, God, you're yeah. the enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're the wrong one. That's a yeah. That's a mind fuck, big time. And I think that's part of that quote that you said, Mariana, about being a, a lonely gift. You know, mm-hmm. that you can go mm-hmm. either way, but mm-hmm. but you know, in deep down in your heart, who you are and where you come from, and and exactly. that history and what that means, and you don't want to abandon that. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. It's a whole it's a whole conversation that like I I want to talk about tenderly because you know we personally can't relate to that. Yeah. Um right. And I have such empathy for that mm-hmm. and I and I would love to learn more and um but I I do want to I want to tread carefully so that I so that we're sure we're speaking respectfully yes, and yes. from a place where we actually know no. what mm-hmm. we're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. I can only imagine. I also found this moment really interesting. The moment when Desiree, she's finally returned home with her daughter and she realizes that out of habit, she's chosen to sit in the same chair she always used to sit in as a kid with her sister's empty chair right beside her. And I thought that was that was just really poignant. And it made me think of how sometimes when you go home, you know, I'm 30 plus years old. I am. I've been living on my own for 15 years now or something. Yeah. But when I go home, sometimes hmm. it's easy to revert back to who I was when I was a teenager living at home with my parents mm-hmm. or it's easy for them to continue to view me as who I was mm-hmm. when I was living at home versus who I have become. Mm-hmm. And I found that relationship between Desiree and her mom to really be rehashing itself in this moment when she's returned home and her mom still sees her sort of as this dumb kid who made this dumb decision and now has this daughter who's, you know, darker skinned than she quote unquote should be. Um, And she's literally missing her other half who should be sitting in this chair next to her. her. But I think another reason why the mom is so harsh is because, you know, we have to remember she, her daughter did leave her. Like she ran away from home. So I think that pain. Without a trace. Ugh. 
What also was striking to me is the way her mother said very point blank when she realized that Sam had been hitting her, had been hitting Desiree. What did you expect? Because mm-hmm. Sam is of a darker skin tone. He's a darker but that man. was inevitable that that was going to happen. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Placing judgments on your own race. Right. Right. For the shade. And they do right. that on both sides. But I did wonder if that was coming from a place of fear of what a place of fear of what could be done to you by white people Mm. for having a darker skinned child or for being associated with someone who is darker skinned a part of me made me wonder if that that racism isn't coming from a place of just deep deep fear Mm. for their lives Mm. i mean i'm sure it is Mm. yeah yeah one last little like theory that I was wondering about (laughs) oh tell us (laughs) is I wonder if someone will kill Stella thinking that she's Desiree like maybe Sam like if Sam is like so mad because she starts tracking the Mm. wrong one yeah because if they're that identical that's interesting well and especially because because early kind of dissuaded him. He had an idea he of going back not and she's done New Orleans. Yeah. yeah, I think that's probably when I wrote that down is when I mm-hmm. thought, I bet Sam is going to go looking for Desiree on his own and he's going to find Stella thinking it's Desiree, it's Desiree. and do something oh. terrible. And then Desiree is going to feel really guilty. But does, I'm, I'm not sure if either of you remember, does Sam know that she's a twin? See, I think she he oh, knows that she a has a question. sister, but I don't think I think there was something in there. Hmm. I'll need to go back and look at I think at I that. need I, I so do I, because there was something in there about her saying later on that she had a twin, but I don't think she and not, not a twin, a sister, but not a twin. That's mm-hmm. a I good maybe complete question. Yeah. Interesting. Well, one quick little thing I did want to mention before we wrap up is just something I noticed was that there seems to be a lot of shame in this book for being seen wanting something that you can't have, like early Mm. being seen courting Desiree when he knows that's not really an option. Mm. And there seems to be a lot of shame in not having people stick up for you. Early mentions that he gets slapped on the back of the neck at that church and mm-hmm. he thinks his uncle's going to stand up for him, uh, but he doesn't. He apologizes. And then Desiree sort of does the same thing to him when they're seen by her mother and the mom's like, there's nothing here for you. You right. need to get out of here. And he's sort of expecting Desiree to say something, it seems like, and she doesn't. She just lets it. And it's the last time I think that they see each other. And I just found that to be a really lonely heartbreaking quality and it's also something that early seems to be reversing by sticking up for Desiree now in this moment instead of Mm. turning her in he's standing by her and keeping her secret he's and he's getting attached and he's getting attached yeah well ladies is it time do you have a question for us? Is that why you're asking? <laughs> Are you ready for my final question? Just answering yes or no. Okay. And I'm sure you will leave me intrigued and probably our listeners are hopefully. Okay. Like Desiree with Early. Have you ever unexpectedly met up with a former flirtation or lover at a bar? Oh, God. Yes or no. And did anything come of this surprising encounter? Yes or no. 
Just yes or no, no Just yes, no, because I want it nice and fast, and I'm going to die wanting to figure out what <laughs> Yes and yes. Ah! <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> TBD. Yes. You'll never know. Oh. Yes. And yes. Oh! Two out of three. Okay, Mariana. Yes. <laughs> and yes. Oh my God. <laughs> I How want weird. those stories at a private happy hour later. <laughs> Deal. Nice. Good for us. All right, y'all. Well, on that note, thank you all so much for listening. If you have an insight or a question you'd like us to discuss on an episode, shoot us an email at arethesebooksdrunk at gmail.com for a chance to be featured on our listener questions segment. Yeah, get in there. please. As you all know, we are an open book and would love to answer any one of your probing questions. Whatever you're trying to ask one of us, three amigas. Do it. Do it. Probing questions. Yep. <laughs> Probing. Next week, we'll be reading to the end of chapter seven. Whoop. Stay tuned on our Instagram page at Are These Books Drunk to find out next week's cocktail pairing so that you can read along and sip along with us. Because it's always happy hour. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Bye, ladies. Ciao, chicas. Bye. Bye.